social worker, educator, therapist, author, founder of Resilient Young Minds, Inc. I'm passionate about serving and developing at-risk youth into resilient ones while coaching adults through their healing. This podcast is my way of honoring youth and adults who have overcome their trauma while still inspiring others. I am the ultimate social worker, and this is the Our Stories Podcast, where your resilient story matters. Take away the pain, take away the hate, take away the damage, and feel excited to be back with another episode of the R Stories podcast. Today I have a fellow educator, one of my former colleagues. Uh, we've been teaching together back in the boogie down Bronx where life was rough and yes, I'm so sir. happy that he is here to share his resilient story. I wanted to say trauma story but I, I, I like, I like resilient story better. Yeah, resilient <laughs> story is so much better. So I'm trying to make sure I get the words out right, but without further ado, I would like to welcome Malcolm Davis, the founder of the Third Lap Podcast. So Malcolm, Mm -hmm. you just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about what you do, um, what you're into, and why you decided to tell your resilience story. Yeah, so like you said, Malcolm Davis, uh, folks, feel free to call me Mal. It's not Mal. I know you see M-A-L, people think it's short for Jamal, it's Mal, short for Malcolm, uh, named after Malcolm X. And so... Yeah, podcaster. Um, I always call myself a revolutionary in thought, but also in practice. And just really a person that is trying to tap into my value and my truth, right? And not get lost in capitalism and get lost in exploitative procedures of, of how business is operated and really tap into what I care about. Um, and I feel like that's really my life journey. Uh, I'm going to be a father really soon soon so just really excited about that she's in ear to ear shouts out to my beautiful wife allison who was just being a super trooper which is carrying this this hard-headed boy who be punching and kicking all day and harlem shaking in the womb i don't even know how he harlem shaking he he know harlem shake already so um but yeah excited just to be a father um but more than anything to be an empath to be a human being man right that like you know we get so lost in what we produce but we don't really focus in on who we are and what is our journey in this life that we have, the one chance we get. So I really try to spend as much time tapped into that part of my experiences and my existence and less around like, what do I put out for society to digest? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So tell us what you do, where you from, like the basic yeah. stuff. 
I do a lot. I do a lot. Now, I'm a Stonely Emerging Leader Fellow for the Center for Black Educator Development located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Shouts out to Sharif Almecki and the team there. Um, the We Need Black Teachers campaign all day. Yeah, so educator by trade, um, spent a lot of time in recruitment, uh, talked with you for a little bit, like you mentioned, in the South Bronx, and then now I'm in education policy, which is just a really interesting place to exist because you get a chance to see the decision-making process for people that look like us, but so many of the people making those choices don't look like us, never had our experiences, um, many of whom have never taught in, in urban public schools. And so, you know, it's, it's been a great chance for me to better understand why education itself has not evolved in a way that's kept up with society, but then also why we as Black and Brown people continue to struggle to get the resources and opportunities that we need just to like even the playing field, right? And so um, it's been dope being a policy. It's not a space that I see myself staying long-term. Um, I, I plan to hopefully get back to serving the people and, and being more immersed in the trenches, but um, it's been dope. Yeah, from Philly Eagles fan, um, you know, all Philly all day, all everything, 215. Um, but yeah, man, just excited to be here and excited to share my story. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, you know, shout out to the educators. I, I kind of have like a little pushback. I feel like we do need Black educators, but it's like what type of Black educators? Not all Black educators mm. are good for Black children. And Facts. I'm going leave it right there. That's a because fact. I don't want to start any problems. Um, start out with me. Say, I'm not arguing with that. That's a I fact. Will, you know, I would <laughs> say that, like, you know, that's it's not that simple. It's not always that simple. You know, sometimes it's not about color in terms of quality education. Although, like, you know, we do want that representation in front of our kids. But I found as, yeah. um, in New York City, too, like, there's not that many, like, the proportion is not as off as, like, I feel like it has been in the past. Like, we could update some stats. But anyway. I guarantee you that those stats don't break. I mean, you're talking Black male educators. It ain't going to be more than 10%. No, so, we're not talking you know, about in terms of the numbers, like as far as the numbers go and the impact, they still are not matching. So yes, yeah. there's not much men. That's just because the field itself, men don't want to teach. Like in general, there's, that's not an appealing position that men in general go to get. But I'm talking about in terms of like, I work in a district where there's like three or four really rough schools yeah. and majority of the staff member in those same rough schools are black and majority of the yeah. kids in those same rough schools are black and yeah. the still the quality of education is still not strong so that's what i mean by like as far as like the impact as far as color is concerned in terms of the quality of education as far as because back in our day i felt like they said oh we our kids need to see more black people in front of them they need to see teachers that can connect with their culture and things like that but it's like that there are people that allegedly can and are in front of those children and those people are still not educating and I think that's a very nuanced little detail that I feel like policymakers miss a lot um yeah I mean I think part of that also goes back to what I said before about the fact that like the field of education has not kept up with society right they're like we're still teaching the same way now that we taught 100 years ago 
as society is drastically different than it was 100 years ago. It's drastically different than it was 25 years, 30 years ago, right? And so, you know, I think that first and foremost is how do we make this field more appealing to young people to come into it? I think that it's a cop out to say men don't want to be teachers. Um, you know, I think that like there's a piece to it that has been misinterpreted as like this is a, a only for women, right? Like nursing is like only for women. Um, but then you're seeing this mass influx of male nurses. Why? Because it's, it's being marketed and being portrayed differently. Education has never made that switch. And so the first piece is, yeah, to your point, like we're getting a bunch of people of color in front of our students, but they're still teaching in antiquated ways that our young people don't relate to. And then we're also not preparing them very well. We're not giving them, you know, relevant PD. And so there's a lot of pieces that yeah, go into I, like why yeah, it won't, not it's not happening. <laughs> I'm just talking about the color because I'm just tired of this race conversation. Yeah. And it's just like, I see black people fail black children all every day, Indeed. all the time. Unfortunately, so, yes. And yes. I feel like we need to talk about that aspect as well, yeah. instead of, because I've just been around a lot of initiatives where they focus on just one piece, like, oh, we yeah. want to hire only black teachers. And it's like, that's right. cool. I'm not against that. But then who are these black teachers that you're hiring and what type of right. quality of education and experience can they actually provide? And I feel like yeah. one, like I'm not eliminates, but like if they focus on one, they don't focus on the other. Like it's it's all a symbiotic, yeah. interwoven, multi-layered process that is gonna take a lot of people like you to sit down to comb through all those details. Yeah. You know, so I hope they have the patience in that. You know, you could rock out well, and do some because I did policy. <laughs> It's not policy's tough. It's <laughs> tough. But I mean, to tie it to your show, right? And we're talking about resilient stories and trauma. That's also one of the big pieces that I, I don't think enough people focus on is the amount of trauma that our Black and Brown educators bring into our schools from their own traumatic school experiences, right? And so how much has that been unpacked before they step in front of our young people? And then how much of it are they going to be re-stimulated and re-triggered through the experiences that they see of our young people? And so, you know, that was one of the things for me was like, I was triggered constantly by some of the things that I saw, some of the conversations that I heard about our young folks. And so I think that's a, uh, for me, I'm always like standing on that piece because I'm a huge mental health advocate that like, we have to acknowledge that we are traumatizing our young people in these schools and then we have to turn around and apologize to our educators for then doing it all over to them again, right? And until we're having like that transparent of a conversation, it's gonna be really hard for people to step into this space and be successful because it's like, we move the goalposts, we move the conversation. And so when you're talking about your triggers and your traumas as an educator in the classroom now, nobody wants to hear it. There's no space for that, tough it out. Right. And nah, that's not how mental health works. You can't tough out mental health. You know, it's going, it's going to take you down at some point. And so, yeah, like I said, I ain't staying in policy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. You know, I'm unpacking what I can in my fellowship and I'll continue to do the work, you know, through the, through the fellowship, uh, through the Center for Black Educator Development, hopefully long-term, but you know, these are conversations that go beyond just us, right? They're like, these yeah. are collectively the higher ups, the people making the decisions, like you said, at the policy level. Um, there's a lot of work that has to be done in that space. Absolutely. So in that being said, talking about traumas in schools, 
I've been traumatized working in the school last <laughs> the last several years. <laughs> but um, I know that there's a story that you wanted to share about your experience and some traumas that you personally went through and yeah. were able to overcome. And so I would like to give you the floor to kind of share um, your trauma story, um, how you went through it, how you overcame it in hopes that someone could be blessed and touched and inspired. Yeah. Listen, I appreciate you, man. You know, I had you on the third lap. We had a chance to rock out and I had a chance to explore your story. So uh, thank you for reciprocating and providing me that opportunity and space to kind of talk about my own experiences. Really for me, you know, the trauma that I would want to focus in on is around what we spoke about, right? Like how we met. So teaching in the South Bronx, uh, you and Caitlin Smith, I always shout y'all out because y'all really taught me how to teach. <laughs> my, my mentor teacher was not very good. Um, not going to name any names. Uh, you know, so I went, I taught through Citizen Schools, which is a great opportunity. I appreciate Citizen Schools, um, Laura Burgos and, and that team for allowing me to get into that space. And so they had the opportunity to teach for a year, right? Like I was a second year teaching fellow, teaching eighth grade ELA. Um, I had just an amazing group of students. I love those those young people and I sing their praises all the time because they helped me evolve as a human being. Um, you know, I, I was not trained as an educator. I was a career changer and ended up in the classroom because, you know, I had started my like professional sort of career working in a, um, it was a group home in Jersey. And I was meeting all of these young black men that were just incredible young boys, right? Like incredible young men. Um, and as I'm talking to them, two things really became clear. First, they had really traumatic school experiences. Most of them were behind their grade levels, right? So they weren't on the right grade level, they weren't in the right grades. Uh, many of them couldn't really attest to how school was helping them. And then second, they were already knee deep into the prison industrial complex, right? But like many of them had gun charges, drug charges, and we're talking like 13 through 16 year olds. And so I'm like, it was a like, that light bulb moment, right? Where you like, wait, I know, I see the problem. The problem is in front of me. And the light bulb moment was, oh, I need to get into the schools because if I can get into schools, I can like head all of this stuff off. And so that started a really sort of long winding journey for me to land in a classroom, but landed in that eighth grade ELA class in the South Bronx and probably was the best year of my life, right? Even though talk about resilience. Um, like I said, my, my mentor teacher wasn't great, um, didn't really invest in me. I, I got two observations throughout the entire school year. And anybody that knows anything about education, that's not how that process is supposed to go, especially for brand new, like neophyte teachers that don't know the process. So, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to you, talking to Caitlin, you know, workshopping ideas around how can I engage my students more, and so I'm running, like I'm I'm doing the things, I'm doing the stuff, I feel good. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm a teacher, like, yo, let's go, I'm ready. Um, and then I was enrolled in Relay, Graduate School of Education in New York City. Shouts out to Relay, they've done some great work for alternate route certification, no beef with them. And so my dean hit me up and was like, yo, I need to talk to you. So I go to class, I get out of class, go talk to her. And she presented me with this piece of paper that was like, yo, New York State basically said they're not going to take your credits from undergrad. And if you want to continue to teach long term, like you have to go and get your degree over. And so, Mushat, when I tell you, 
She said you have to do your whole degree, the degree that you paid for, the degree that you already got your piece of paper, you graduated, did you the started a master's speech. program. Yeah, you're doing did the right commencement speech for my graduation program. Yeah. Trying to make a career for yourself. Yeah, this whole right when you black school, teacher. You got accepted to the grad program. You <laughs> yeah. started the grad program. You I started the money. job. Yeah. You started getting paid for the job. And yeah. then randomly in the middle of the semester, midway in, so like colleges semester start August. Yeah. It's like what, October? November. November. It's November. Yeah. So it's about to be finals. It's past midterms. Yeah. And she's telling you, yo, by the way, that degree that you, that transcript you submitted in your application, oh, it's not a real degree. Don't count in New York as far as this is concerned. So you need to go yeah. backwards and start from scratch and go back to four years. How yeah. in the world did you handle that news as a Black man mm. in America who has the system built against them, people telling them they can't do things. You went to school one way, tried it this way, different obstacles coming your way, life happens. And now you're finally at a space where you feel like you're happy. Cause I remember you liked working there. Our kids was crazy, yeah. but you did like working there. Yeah. You felt like you were going towards your purpose yeah. and life just slaps you in the face with this type of news. Yeah. I definitely got to hear how this happens. I'm sorry, I had to pause <laughs> to highlight and, and that. Rewind it, so yeah. Real, yeah, because yeah. that's so real life where yeah. like you, you on point and you feel like, yo, I got it together. And then some random thing that doesn't make absolutely no kind of sense yeah. just happens to you, which I feel like it's a God intervening moment where he feels like you're yeah. on his path and God is not liking where it's going or that's not where he wants you to go. Yeah. He just like plop some random thing in it to throw you off or to yeah. pivot you. But please tell us, how did you respond to that? Now, all of those things are what was going on in my mind, right? Uh, I had just gotten engaged to my now wife, Allison. And so it was no way to go back for four years, right? Like that just wasn't in the cars. And so when she told me that the Dean, I called my wife and I was like, yo, I explained to her what happened. And I was like, yo, my whole dream, like, is shattered. Like, I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm done, yo. Like, I don't know where to go from here. Um, and, you know, Allison being who she is was just like, yo, no matter what, like, we'll figure this out, right? That, like, we'll figure this out together. And that's why that's my writer. Like, that's my right hand. Because every, every difficult moment in my life that I've been through since we've been together, that's always been her feedback. It's like, yo, we got it, though. So you good. Just keep pushing. And same with my parents, like, you know, anybody that know me, I, I rely heavily on, on my parents for, for guidance in life and stuff, too. And so everybody was like, yo, Mal, first things first, follow up with the Board of Ed for New York, right? Like, call, make the phone calls, figure out what's going on. So that's what I did. I got deep into the phone calls and emailing, like, okay, you know, they're saying I can't do this, but I, I do have a degree. And so New York was like, nah, bro, like, it's quiet for all that. Like, you can't teach. And so this was right around the time when CUNY was offering people to go for four years for free, as long as you stayed to work in the city for X number of years. So I applied for that program. They rejected me. They was like, you already have a bachelor's, so you're not applicable for this. But I'm like, yo, my bachelor's don't count. So like, how does it count here? But it doesn't count over here. Like, explain it to me. They didn't explain it to me. They just deaded me. They was like, you good. So, yo, I, I applied to teach in... Jersey and Pennsylvania 
in Florida and Texas and also in California and got rejected everywhere, every place. They all said the same thing. They was like, yo, we can't take your credits. If when you get a new degree though, we'll, we'll, you could come back. Wow. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, I didn't know what to do next. You know, I spent a lot of time praying, meditating at that time, smoking too, because I was trying to help myself comprehend and, and decrease anxiety and things of that nature. I don't rely on weed for that now, but then I was. Um, and so, you know, through that process, I was fortunate, man. I think what you said was important and what over the years I realized is that it was divine intervention, that that wasn't my trajectory, right? It was an experience that was integral for me to have, for me to continue on in a career pathway that I'm on. But being a teacher in that component, in that specific way, wasn't what I was supposed to do. So ended up applying for a role with Citizen Schools to run the after school program at East Harlem. Laura Burgos on her way out, blessed me with the position. So I'm grateful forever to her for that because I probably shouldn't have gotten that job. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she she saw the, the potential in me and from there, you know, I was able to transition into recruitment where I had a, a really good run at Uncommon and also uh, with Kit Philadelphia, I've been able to been able to take care of my family, bro, right? Like, you know, I've been able to do things that um, previous to becoming an educator, I always thought were too far beyond me, right? That I didn't know that I would ever get there. It gave me an opportunity to say I have a career and all of those things, but it also gives me that piece that I can relate to folks when in the process, I meet so many dope black people that didn't become teachers because of certification, because of credits, because of all of these different things that if I'm gonna be frank, really don't indicate how good of a teacher you'll be, is just how much money they could get from you before you could get into a classroom, right? Like these two things aren't the same. And so, you know, that experience taught me a lot about resilience and about faith um, and about having the right people in your corner because nobody batted an eye when I came up short, it wasn't like, oh, you failed again. Now, mind you, this is on the back of getting a college late. It took me five years to graduate high school. Like I had been missing the mark repetitively, right? And so, but none of the people that I trusted and I loved around me felt that way. They were all like, yo, man, we believe in you. Like you could get it. And so that was probably one of the key lessons that I, I learned was you are not what you produce, right? That like you are very much how you make other people feel. The value that you provide to other people's lives isn't necessarily monetary, right? Like there are other ways that you can be valuable to people. And so took me on a long journey to where I am now at policy. But like, again, you know, it's something that I'm always able to look back on and say, like, I went through that too, right? That like, it's not just tongue in cheek. I didn't have the perfect run to this that I had to really fight and claw to get to where I am. And then I had to fight and claw to stay because in reality, I'm not a career educator, right? And so when I'm walking into these spaces with people that have been teaching and leading for 10, 15, 20 years, and you know, I've been in it less than five, you get that skeptical eye. Oh, you ain't go to Harvard GSC. Oh, you know what I'm saying? You ain't go to, you ain't go to Vandy like that. You ain't go to this prestigious, you know, school of education. Like, how'd you get here? I actually had somebody ask me that dude on LinkedIn was like, uh, he was like, how'd you go from 
Whole Foods <laughs> to the director of recruitment in five years. And I was like, man, God, the hard work, brother. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, it wasn't my plan, um, you know, but I'm adaptable enough that when a door closes, I know a window opens, right? A floorboard shifts. I got to dive in the floorboard to get to where I'm going. I'm going to always make it happen. But, you know, I always think back to that moment because it also was a testament to I can do anything, right? Because I was so set on being a teacher. I knew that I had found my pathway. When I'm standing in this class in front of these young people, educating them and we learning and growing and, and laughing and crying together, I knew that this was it. Yeah. And then, and, and just one phone call, one, one meeting, basically, all of that got shattered. I actually went back not too long ago because I'm trying to get some of my loans expunged. And I'm going back through this email chain with my mom maybe six months ago. And it reactivated all my trauma, yo. Like it, it brought all of it right back to the top. And so I was like, okay, that's good because then that means through therapy and all the things that I do, I need to continue to process this because yeah. I thought I, I thought I was good. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> nah, I'm not good, right? You know, so this is why I felt it would be a good story to, to tell here because it's one of difficulty, but it's also one of triumph, right? That like, you know, life is going to always give you these hurdles, these things that are going to try to test your resolve. Um, how are you built, yo? You built tough or you built the fold? Um, and, you know, sometimes people fold and have to learn the importance of being tough and picking themselves back up again. Um, and some people just innately are like hardwired to just push through anything. I would say I'm kind of in the middle, right? That like, I used to give up when I was younger. Um, but then when I got a taste of what I wanted and was like, I can't have it. Nah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to get after it even more now. So um, just grateful for the opportunity in hindsight, 10 years almost later, because it helped to create the person that I am today that doesn't allow barriers or barricades to my professional and personal development to stand in my way. Just means that you have to think about how you circumvent or navigate around them. Um, or go over them or dig under them, right? But you can't let anything stop you from where you're trying to go. Um, just pivot, man, and, and believe that whatever direction you're headed in um, is the place that you're supposed to be. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was, that was, that, that, that definitely blessed me because it, you kind of triggered me in thinking the things that I went through yeah. in my journey in, in education. And it's funny because it's like I got a lot of pieces of papers. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> that <laughs> and I, I say that like I'm so serious well you know me in real life so you know like I <laughs> I, I do. about these pieces of paper but yeah. um because the process that I went through to get them in the mental bondage behind yeah. why I felt I needed them and why they were so important because yeah. my trauma was like I didn't want to be poor like yeah. I like that was something I had to like really reflect and heal from. Like, Simone, why do you mm. work so much and go so hard? And it was like, I needed to create a path that nobody in my family created because all they mm. passed led us in, you know, hunger and struggle. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be living in a basement the rest of my life. I don't want right. to be hungry, eating breakfast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner kind of thing. Right. And don't get me wrong, like, my family did the best that they could with what they had, yeah. obviously. But that was like my perspective of it. Like that was the thing that as a little kid, 
I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't like the feeling of being poor or not having enough. And it don't even, not even like enough, like, dang, them Jordans is mad nice, but (laughs) my mama said, I got to get these Adidas instead. No, that's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about either like, we're going to go to pay less and get pay less struggle. Yes, oh, you sir. might get them Walmarts. Right. Like, <laughs> my dad took me to pay less bobos. Right. Like, buy one, get one, boy. <laughs> right. But it's cool. Back to school. <laughs> and that's that. And and so I I I realized like, and, and I felt bad because I felt like the reason why my mom, she wanted to do so much more and she could do more, but she didn't have the schooling. Mm. And that was the thing. In, in my culture, like get your education. You came to America to get your yeah. education so you could yeah. get a job and you can have stability. Right. But it robbed me of so much other things that mm. other talents and gifts that I had that I didn't get a chance to explore because yeah. it was like, those are not things that make money or guarantee success. So mm. it's the route um, that yeah. you take. That certification thing that you mentioned was so um, real to me because later on in my uh, teaching career, I ended up transitioning from being a general education middle school teacher to a special education teacher. And what forced that change was because I started teaching literacy to high school kids, which apparently is is a teaching subject that can only be taught by a special educator. So legibly, reading intervention is basically an intervention, like RTI. So special educators allegedly, legally, are the only ones that can administer RTI as far as compliance and Mm. funding and money goes. So even though I was a highly effective educator and I did have a license because I didn't have a sped license I was getting paid may less I was getting paid as an uncertified teacher because my certification says general education middle school when I needed to say special education even though like kids is reading everybody's flourishing I'm coaching I'm doing all this stuff so now sis got to go back to school to get some classes to get an extension to get this fed now they don't tell me that so when you five through nine you can teach above and below one up and below to remain Mm. compliant with your certification so that means i should be able to teach fourth grade tenth grade allegedly right (laughs) so now i'm looking to get my certification in uh sped so i take the sped uh middle school generalist exam middle school special education test five through nine sped i go take the test pass it you know once i do all of that you know what they told me they was just like you still not sped certified because you work in a high school so you were supposed to take the seven through 12 SPED certification exam, not the five through nine. So I said, but I have a five through nine generalist already. So why would I take a seven through 12 SPED? Well, if you had did that, then you would have been covered from five all the way to 12th grade. But I said, that's two different certifications at the end yeah. of the day. I just need to be SPED certified to get my paper right. 
Right. And then they're like, oh, well, we, oh, well, you should, well, you could have did two things. You could have took the five through 12, five through nine sped test, or you could have took the seven through 12 generalist tests. Basically, I have one-on-one and I need to do double up on one of them for my certification to actually count calmly. I said, I'm moving into social work. And that's mm. that. My, I allowed my both my certifications to expire January of 2021 mm. officially. I'm not no longer going back as mm. an educator because that to me, it put a whole wrench because I took a whole year of classes mm. to get this certification, took the exam, all this drama. You know, you got to pay for all of these things for them oh, to tell yeah. me. Yep. It still, it still didn't matter. It still, it still didn't count. You still not yeah. getting paid what you deserve to be paid, regardless of the work and you, the work that you're producing. So I had to exit Sage Left that job, and then to make that worse, that same environment they still milked me because the thing is on the other side, because now I have enough credits and enough courses to pass compliance paperwork wise and for mm-hmm. as far as the children getting their services met the school will still get paid and get credit for that child mm-hmm. getting sped services in my class however i'm not getting paid as a sped education teacher the finesse <laughs> the system no. is the system all about finessing that so after that i was like i'm i can't with this place they blocked me I tried to get <laughs> in that in that space they was Damn. like, wow, like, cause it's, it's in network. They always hire yeah. within network first. So yeah. usually you automatically get an interview when you hire within, when you apply within network. Yeah. They didn't even acknowledge my application. So yeah. I already know what occurred. Yeah. That following school year, you know, I had to pray, you know, I had to ask God to help me understand why I'm still here because they fired yeah. half the staff the year before that. And I still worked there and I didn't want to be there anymore. But then the door opened for me to get this position as a school social worker yeah. and I was able to leave. But prior to that year, um, that school year, everyone fired and all that stuff, all that drama happening. I got rejected from 25 school social work positions. Mm. Yeah. And it was a lot because I was trying to do everything I could to get out of that building and it was a very discouraging time but I also didn't have my license but I would say that as soon as I started focusing on what God wanted me to do in this space because I just changed my perspective like why am I here all these people got fired and they're not as nasty and rude as me because you know how my mouth used to be back in the day used to be I will tell you (laughs) what it is and not be mad (laughs) <laughs> oh, so I just get in trouble yeah. with my mouth all the time. And that was the year, it was about the, the lesson of the power of the tongue yeah. and how I need to just echo Jesus in everything that I do. So I was like, you know what? I already know this is a terrible place to work right now. I'm not happy. I already know that, but I still need a job. I still need to pay my bills. Yeah. I'm grateful that I still have a job. I'm grateful that I'm still in God's favor that I didn't get laid off. Yeah. So you know what? I'm going to just do my job and try to be positive. And in doing that, doors open and 
connections. I'm telling you, divine intervention. This lady my mom worked for as a principal, she needed a social worker and all this happened and I got an interview and you know, I got the job and I was worried about the money. Now you're switching roles. You gotta, you, the pay is much less when you switch, um, when you go into the DOE because they don't count, they don't count your degrees and stuff. You gotta apply mm. to get a pay bump to the proper credential level that you're at. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, it's stupid, but either way, I didn't have a license and that was a big thing why I wasn't get why I was also getting rejected. I, I got graduated in May. It's now October. I don't have my license. I was planning to take it in November. I never took it yet. Everybody says the test is so hard. Right. I got hired like the end of October. My start date was like November 15th. My test was November 4th and I pa- I got my test results. I passed it two right. days before my start date. And so it's, it's, it's so much. And even in that, you would think like that, that's what I'm supposed to be. And now I'm three years, four years later going into my 10 year year. And I'm realizing that this is not the last stop for me. That was my ultimate goal to be a school social worker. And I accomplished it at 31. So now what? It's like, you think that this is the end. Like you have this plan that just sounds like, okay, this is how I'm going to make money. This is how I'm going to feed my family. This is how I'm going to live. And that's that. But then God, like, but God, that's yeah. it. And, and I was talking to my homeboy, Mitch, before, you know, we, we got on today. Um, and we, we talk a lot about just that whole, like, we're this really unique generation because our parents taught us what their parents taught them, which like get a government job or get a factory job and work and retire and you got, uh, and like it didn't work, right? Cause like, that's not reality for us anymore. Like you see all of these mass layoffs, you know, and uh, 09, when the economy crashed, it sort of sent all of us that were in our, you know, we mid twenties um, and had invested all this time and energy into this thing. And a lot of us got laid off and forced us to think differently about our careers, our lives, you know, our productivity um, and, you know, to, the point that you had made earlier about why did you stay and like the, the different conversation you had with God, my mom used to always say something to me, which I remind myself of constantly, which is you are where you're supposed to be, right? And like, you have to take ownership of the fact that you are where you're supposed to be for you to get to where you're going next. Yeah. Until you really immerse yourself in like, this is where I am. This is where I'm supposed to be for right now, not forever right? That like for this moment in time, no, this is where you are. Um, and this is what, what you're supposed to be doing. Then the doors open, then the random, random seeming occurrences happen where your mom's employer just so happens to be this thing as well. And it's like, oh, that seems like happenstance that seems accidental, but it's not because how it coincides with you finally taking ownership of the I am where I'm supposed to be and then all of a sudden doors open for you to go to where you're trying to get to and so you know I had that same realization I'm pretty sure my mom told me that when I called her and she was like you are where you're supposed to be now like take some take some time and figure out what's next but like where you are and what you thought and the second thing she was to always say oh yeah this proverb we make plans and God laughs and that always sticks with me because God be laughing at me all the time. 
because I always got a plan and then I get close and then maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. But I also realized that like not everything you want is meant for you. Right. And like that was one of the life lessons that I really, really had to take a hold of and like cherish and own and just be okay with because I have these grand aspirations to do a lot of things. But then I also realized that like a lot of that stuff may not happen for me. And you also got to be okay with that because I think a lot of times when we fall into, I suffer from clinical depression. And so I know that like my depression can be triggered when I feel as though I'm not doing the things that matter or moving at the correct timing. And then I'll go in this downward internal spiral of self-loathing and hate and guilt and all of this stuff. And it's like, then it's like a moment of like, wait, why, why are you hating yourself? Because this thing didn't happen. Like this thing wasn't meant to happen, bro. Put your big boy pants on, right? <laughs> Grieve it for the moment that you have, but like move on, yo. Um, yeah. and, and you know why I felt that it was important to share that story about me not being able to continue to teach is because that was really my first professional moment of you made a plan that God laughed at. Mm. Now what? And that now what has inspired me to do so many more things because I love what you said around you, you, you was a school counselor, right? You got that social worker at 31, but that's not it. And we set these arbitrary goals for ourselves of like, yo, I told myself by 30, I'd be a millionaire. I'm so far from a million. I owe so much money in debt. It's crazy, right? And so now the goal shifted by 50. I'm going to be in there though. <laughs> I got it. I'm going to be there. Trust me. But, you know, we, we set these goals and we set these parameters for success. But I feel like a lot of times it's based off of external stimuli what people around us want us to do, what they want us to be, what they want us to become. And you know why I said in the beginning, I really try to spend as much time as I can immersed in my own purpose, because if I don't know what I'm here to do, if I'm not ha having that active ongoing conversation with the universe to help me figure out and, and configure what's next and where I'm headed, yeah, you lost in the sauce. And, you know, I've been there before and being lost is one of the worst feelings that I think that you can have, right? And so, you know, I really want to continue to challenge myself, but also anybody listening, immerse yourself in your purpose, right? Remove yourself from your distractions, what your parents want you to be, what your partner wants you to be, what your children want you to be, that's cool. But is that what you want? And if it's not what you want, then you got to be real with them and yourself and figure out how you align yourself with your purpose and then go get that thing. And that's how the third lap came to fruition, my podcast, because having conversations with all of these people like yourself, mad people that like figured it out, but then they still figuring it out. Right. And so like, that was the piece that I wanted to share with the world is that this is an ongoing continuous process we don't ever, we're never done until we get that call and we ascend back to where we came from. But before then, you got to keep going. You got to keep pushing. You know, your, your resilient stories will continue to stack up, but those are wins, right? Like as long as you pick yourself back up, as long as you learn something from it, it's not an L. I don't believe in losses. To me, a loss is only incurred when you stop going.
right? When you didn't learn and you keep doing that same thing. Nah, you winning if you overcame your challenges, if you come on this show and tell a story, but then you can also tell about how it changed your life for the better, how you're in a better place. That's a resilient story in my opinion. And so, you know, I'm, I'm all about resiliency, um, but I'm also all about spending that time with yourself to figure it out, what the heck do I want? Yeah. And then how much am I willing to sacrifice to go and get it? Yeah. I love that you you mentioned that piece about knowing what you want, because that's definitely like the phase that I'm in or like the yeah. healing season right. that I'm in when you realize that you gave so much of yourself to everybody else. Yeah. And then yeah. you realize like, oh, snap, now I just want to take this one moment for me and realize mm. I don't even have anything left mm. for me. And so for right. me, like the last year, my health has declined yeah. on like so many different levels. Like I de started developing a lot of autoimmune mm. issues, related issues, different issues related right. to stress and just being stress, overworked yeah. all the time because I didn't right. realize how much I work because it was so innate and yeah. work was my escape that was mm. my way of getting positive reinforcement that was yeah. my way of you know showing relate, you know? yes yeah. right I didn't really get those type of things at home so those were the things that made, mm. I actually like being at work till 10 o'clock at night in the Bronx it never bothered it really right. never bothered me but then in right. perspective that was when I was 22 23 and now 10 years later, the body don't move the same. It doesn't Ew. feel the same. Right. And it's like, wait, what is this? What's happening? <laughs> oh my gosh. This is what my eye was twitching for like two weeks straight <laughs> from stress. Like my eye would just not stop twitching. And that's when I had like my my personal and professional epiphany. Cause same as you, right? Like I had made the mistake of defining myself through my work that I was like this is a space where people value me right like I'm no longer playing sports so like they don't value me in that way anymore for my athleticism um you know I'm valued in this space people want me around people speak highly yeah. of me and the things that I do like this is incredible and I'm sitting at home in the midst of the the civil unrest through the Rihanna Taylor and George Floyd's murders. And it was a moment where I had, where I was like, people only know me for what I produce my job. Like, that's it. Like, I have nothing else. There's nothing else that people think of me for. And that's when the third lap happened, right? And then eventually was able to start the Mind Your Mentals podcast with my homie Tim Massaquai, shout out Tim, um, which has been like the ultimate journey for me because we have a whole podcast around mental health. And so like, I'm dead ass exploring my mental health live with him, right? And so it's like, you know, it's just been this incredible journey, but without that moment of realizing that I'm purely defined by what I produce for somebody else, I would have never been here. I might not be on your show, right? You and I connected when you were starting your podcast. Had I not had a podcast, we wouldn't have talked initially. Who knows if we here now, right? And so, you know, all of these things happened because of self-reflection, right? And because of being really true to myself. Um, and what does that mean? I'm having conversations now of like, well, what's next? 
how does my podcast evolve into something else? Do I want to continue the podcast? Do I want to go do something else? Um, and so, you know, it, it's also this, this piece of like, again, the game don't stop, man. Right. That like, you just keep, you keep hustling, you keep grinding, you keep pushing. Um, and you know, you, you pay homage for being where you are because that's where you're supposed to be, but you don't settle for that space. You allow yourself to dream and envision where you can be. And God might laugh at it, but yeah. God also gonna respect the fact that you keep pushing, right? And so, yeah, nah, that's not for you, but this over here for you. And so you push so hard, you work so hard that you still ended up here anyway. And that's why I ended up in talent. And I hadn't, I don't got no policy degree. I have no background in education policy. The Center for Black Educator Development, much like Kit, much like Uncommon, much like Wayne from Selected, took a chance on me because they saw somebody that was passionate and intelligent and, and you know, they thought could do the work, but hadn't proven it yet. And so, you know, that's also a, a testament to being willing to take a chance on yourself too, right? They're like, yo, bet on yourself. I'm always going to bet on myself. Yeah. And if I crap out, shit, I crap out. Uh, I'm going to keep betting on myself though. You know what I mean? Because eventually I'm going to hit, I'm going to be a millionaire by 50 and I'm going to come back on Simone's show and be like, remember 12 years, 13 years ago when I said I was going to do that? Cash money, son. <laughs> I got it. Hey, we, we have a club. We got all the club Mental Health Millionaires Club. Listen, listen. I love it. Mental Health Millionaires, I would love it. Love like it. Like we love it. it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, stay tuned. 20. 35. Oh, <laughs> That's so <far>. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, the power of tongue is so real. Like, yeah, I have this things that I've spoken last year, yeah. five years ago, that are happening and it's scary. Mm. So, if yeah. like if that's what your heart's in it and you believe God for it, I believe God for it. I definitely hey. agree with that. Let's go. Um, it's about building the community. That's the space that yeah. I, I, I strive to create with Rhyme and. Yeah. Even you talking about their life, you inspired me because I, I, I've i been wanting to do a podcast. People yeah. told me that, oh, you should, but I, you know, my insecurities and being shy right. and having that experience with you made me realize like, you know, like I can't got it. Like, yeah, could, got like, it. do this. Like yeah. I definitely could do this, you know, and sometimes 100%. it's about that human um, connection. Yes. You want to reflect with yourself, but I think what helps self-reflection sometimes is communicating with like-minded individual and having yep. you know the type of people that you want to be like yeah. or that are in the direction you're trying to go having those people in your circle to pull to and tap into and yeah. it's weird because I feel like I'm in a space where I don't have that anymore I'm was always like I got a mentor for this a mentor for that a mentor yeah. for this but when you accomplish the top goals that you had then it's like you kind of don't even know what you need mentorship in. And it's right. like a new uh, territory. But what I can yeah. say is that a gap that I had was lack of socialization because I mm. worked and was going to school for 10 years straight. Right. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, I didn't really have a healthy socialization life, which also mm. means I didn't also like know how to socialize yeah. in a healthy manner so it's like now I'm kind of working that out at the same time but I have the grace of my uh background and structure as my credibility mm -hmm. to hold me but I'm like I'm still working on getting the words out and that's weird because I'm a teacher <laughs> and I'm in front of people, these kids all day every yeah. day and do this talk and I could care less but something about talking to grown folks 
that yeah. still like it's different brings me yeah it gets me very anxious so I'm trying not to let that go but I wanted to point that out that the community building aspect is important and in all the trauma stories I've heard or resilience stories that I've heard it um someone always said there was people there that helped them get through whatever and it's not just anybody like it's people that you can can connect with on a personal level that you're allowed to be vulnerable with and I just want to shout Allison out because yes, I got to shout out all the women out here that hold yeah. them down and allow their men to be vulnerable. Because yeah. sometimes y'all go, y'all go through regular stuff like us. And that, I know as a female that's very sensitive, if this is my dream job, if somebody just told me <laughs> that my stuff is not legit, I'd have been crying. <laughs> like, ooh, on my right. husband's shoulder. Right. Like, and I honestly, I felt like that's very that's appropriate for a man to feel like if he want to do that, that he should yeah. be able to do that and you should have a safe space to do that. So I want to shout Allison out um, for giving you that space and making you feel like confident to say it out loud without question. Like, yeah, that's my rib and yeah. she holds me down. That's so my, I, right. And then the last point that I wanted to highlight um, was the fact that your network so we talked about divine intervention and how god is intentional and i see a lot of parallels in um how even though your biggest setback or your biggest like career heartbreak started with citizen schools relay rhyme whatever relay um it seemed as though though that same resource set the foundation up of the network you needed to move the to take you to that pivot because you know laura me caitlin like these are the foundational people at that beginning time that you're still connected to that you're seeing that you were able to pull from to help prepare you for the new path that was unknown that you didn't even (laughs) know existed at the time so i wanted to to point that out because i read this book called identity no it's called the defining decade but We talked about it on the third lap. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that yeah. book is really good for people that's in their twenties. But if you're not in your twenties, <laughs> it's okay. It's still good now. Go, go back. It's never too late, yo. But it's just about. It's just. It's. It's. There's a term that they use in it called identity capital, and it really mm-hmm. resonated with me. Yeah. And it's like those experiences that we go through. It creates capital for identity, remolding who we are, who we are as an individual, personally, who we are as a professional who we are as a, a, a social being in yeah. the world and how we connect with other people. Those are three different areas that are like all connected. And then you have your spiritual self as well. Like how do you work to combine all of those things to create who you truly authentically are? And the only way mm-hmm. we do that is by having these experiences, experiences that allow yeah. us to collect capital on our identity and yeah. we learn those different pieces that we learn about ourselves are the things that build up our character. Yeah. And so I wanted to yeah. say that aspect to that, that parallel between like, yo, this was supposed to be my dream job. It ended up being a horrible thing. Yeah. But yet, if I didn't experience this horrible thing, I wouldn't have met these people that set me up for yeah. the next set you step that God had for me. So I wanted yeah. to um, point that out. So thank you so much. So- Sharing that story. Yeah, just a, a last quick note. I just want to touch on yeah. a couple of things that you said here at the end. First, thank you, right? Uh, from the bottom of my heart, man, you you was tough on me, but fair. 
um, but you were always there when I needed you, right? That like, if I needed something from you, I could go to your class or we would be in the office. Or we was usually some of the last people to leave the building every day. And mind you, you in Brooklyn and I'm in Queens. So we got hellacious commutes ahead of us. And we even <laughs> dumb late at night from the South Bronx. So thank you. Um, Caitlin, I'm sure you're listening to this. Smith, you know, I love you. Thank you. Um, you know, you, you play such an integral role in my ability to develop uh, to be able to provide value for those young people in that classroom. Because in the end of the day, that's what I wanted, right? That's all I knew that I was supposed to be doing was educating these young people and helping to shape their minds while also standing in front of them as a potential of what they could become, right? Yeah. That like, you could do this too. Um, and I was very transparent with them about how I got to where I am and all of those different things. And so um, definitely want to thank y'all. Laura Burgos, you know how I feel about you. Um, I always sing your praises. Um, she blessed me in to be the DCD. Um, I want to thank the former principal at BWA too, because he blocked me from working at BWA um, out of pure hateration. Um, but had he not done that, you know, I'm also not where I'm at. And so all of those things, and lastly, but can't forget, you know, both my parents for sure, um, because they are my rocks, man. They provide me so much stability in life. But my wife, man, I can't ever not sing her praises. I can't ever, yeah. you know, lift her up enough because she's seen me cry, you know, she's seen me fail. She's seen all of them pieces. When I came home from college, she was paying for us to go out because I was dead broke on my behind, man. And so, you know, you have to have those people, right? And you may not realize you have them until you hit rock bottom and you look it up and you see the people, but they extend in their hand to help you back up again, right? And so want to sing those praises. It's so many more people clearly that, you know, have played an integral role in me being able to get to where I am, but you're right. You know, me being rejected as a teacher landed me where I am in my life. And where I am right now, as we sit here today, I'm happy. Um, and I can't say, had I become a 10-year educator, teacher, would I still be happy? right? Or, or would I be jaded? Because I've seen so many Black men in this work get burned out, disrespected, traumatized, and then discarded, right? But no, nothing. It's just, you're done now. Go figure it out. And so, you know, just wanted to sort of like put that bow on, on top of this episode. You know, you, you can't do these things without those people. Um, and so make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that aren't just with you because you up that they've seen you down and, and they've rolled with you back up that hillside, Joe. Um, my wife has seen me in the worst conditions of my life um, and, and has loved me through every piece of it. And so, you know, same, right? When she was down, I loved her through all of it. That's what this is supposed to be. And so, um, yeah, man, I wouldn't be here without y'all. No question about it. So I want to segue, because, you know, especially because you've been talking about the wife a lot. I want to lighten up the mood a little bit. Mm -hmm. I got a little hot topic dating question. Since you're a husband, you should be an expert. Oh, Lord. Um, That's not true. So we're going to ask, ask you a question. Okay. Hopefully it will help some uh, single people out, us unmarried folk, you know, okay. that's trying to, you know, get to your level. And um, we'll just ask one just to keep it light and funky. Okay. I don't know what the question is going to be. Um, oh. But when it comes up, you can answer honestly. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. So the question is, could you date a person with children? If so, are you prepared to be a step parent if things progress? So 
you could mm-hmm. if someone is struggling with this type of question what would you, what advice would you give them yeah i mean i think that it comes back to pretty much what has been like the root or crux of this conversation which is knowing yourself you know i think a lot of times that we don't spend the time independently of another person to be able to really understand what it is that we want and need and so for me specifically uh yeah i would definitely date somebody that had a child you know if things progressed and got serious i would be ready to be stepdad and you know play that role you know however that may look but that's also because like i know that i'm cool with that i love kids right like i enjoy being able to play a role in a young person's development in life, whether that it's a teacher, role model, father, whatever it may be. But my wife is the opposite. She told me, you know, if you got kids, I'm not really trying to get into that with you because I'm not trying to place that mom. And so I dig it, right? But, you know, I think both of those answers are right because the person spent the time understanding for themselves what what was their foundation and what is, what is their internal value system. And so, yeah, I mean, always, you really want to spend as much time as you can understanding yourself. Um, and I think that that applies great for dating. Uh, also having dated, we've been together almost 13 years, married seven. So I haven't dated in a long, long time. Uh, and dating looked very different when I was dating. But, you know, I, I know that when I was single, I, I really paid attention to what I cared about and was like unflinching on it, right? That like I didn't want to date certain women that had certain characteristics or you know reminded me of certain other people i had been with and like i stuck by my guns and so that's the main thing i would say is like really get a chance to understand you and then don't get into the process of compromising um especially women because society pressures women into like yo you got you how old you don't got no kids you not married oh my god right like don't fall victim to that right really spend your time with you um and much like we said before, it's like you are where you're supposed to be. And when you come to terms with that and you really comprehend it, now this person steps into your life. Or, you know, you've got polyamorous people, multiple people step into your life, however you get in it, right? But, you know, I think it's important for you to understand yourself first, no matter what question it is. And that'll help guide you. And then stick to it, right? Don't just be having sex with somebody with a kid just because you're having fun. Nah, the kid sees you attachment issues take place right don't be popping in and out no young person's life that's not gangster and so if that's the business that you standing on stand on business man and you know don't compromise yourself because society tells you to or because you horny or whatever it may be nah man stand on business because horniness gets you in a lot of trouble so it, it how you caught up right it'll, it'll scramble your brains all up <laughs> so stand on business and don't let horniness get you in no trouble out here, man. That's nice. Let me find out. You you doing therapy now? Little little something like. Okay, that was really. I was like, wow, this sounds like some real professional advice. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I like the fact of that you um, emphasize know yourself. Yeah. Just spending that time with yourself, and that's yeah. really the key to the answer to all Always. the other. Yep. questions because once you know what you want then you know what to do or how to handle the situation and i like yep. the compromise and thank you i respect you shouting us as females out about being yep. pressured to always have to compromise and, yep. and pointing that out like that was really good those were some really good gems so thank you for sharing that so while we wind down um i would like for you to do two things okay. um i would like for you to one um tell us 
one gem or jewel out of everything that you said today, maybe you didn't get to say something that you wanted to say, but one thing that you want someone to take away um, from hearing your story today, okay. one lesson, one jewel that stuck with you, what is that jewel? And then after, I want you to blow yourself up, tell us what you're doing, <laughs> what's coming up next for you, how we can gotcha. follow you, yep. and then I want to pray for you before you go. Always that part. Uh I got two gems. I'm gonna cheat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first you is you are can't break all the rules today, yeah, Mama. Well, you know how I do. How long you know me? I don't do rules, man. Rules <laughs> is meant to be broken. That's why they was created. Um, so the first one is you are where you're supposed to be. I think that's important for folks to really immerse themselves in and comprehend and understand and, and appreciate. Um, it's not meant to say you are where you'll forever be, but I really do believe that until you appreciate where you are it'll be really hard to move forward to wherever you're headed. So um, I want y'all to take that one and run with it. And then the last one is, we're here for a good time, not a long time, man. And so enjoy your life, yo. You know, uh, Simone mentioned how she just was work, 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 work. Me, I was play, 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 play. Um, yeah, you gotta have balance, right? <laughs> like you can't do all of one. Um, it'll set you on a wild trajectory of life. And so, you know, we're here for a good time, not a long time, man. Enjoy your life. Get to know what you love doing. Try to do as much of that as humanly possible. Um, I'm all about consent though, right? Don't be doing things that are gonna make other people feel bad about themselves or bring harm to other people, right? Like I don't condone that kind of stuff, but listen, if people consenting and y'all good, yo, enjoy yourself, have fun. Life is hella short. We making, we living through a pandemic. We got monkeypox, polio done come back. Life is way too short to be getting caught up in the rigmarole of the day-to-day. -day. Live y'all life. We're here for a short time, a good time, not a long time, right? And you are where you're supposed to be. I broke the rules, but I feel like they both apply and people can move with them. So uh, second piece, shout myself out. This is what I'm worst at. Oh my God, I'm terrible at this part. Um, but Let's go, right good. <laughs> Philly 205, you already know. Um, and I say, I say that like a New Yorker. People are always like, how are you from Philly, but you sound like you're from New York? Uh, long story, different podcast. Um, but the Third Lab podcast, that's my podcast. Please, please, please check it out. Um, it's basically fireside chats with a bunch of really dope people like Simone and all these other folks that I've had the blessings of coming into my life in different ways. But everybody's telling their story of triumph and overcoming obstacles to get to where they're headed but then also simultaneously projecting next where they want to go. Um, and I think that that's so important that like where we were is not where we are and where we are is not where we going. So we can't really get caught up in too many and uh, too much of those three buckets. We got to give ourselves to them equally so that we can just keep moving along. Um, and so the third lab podcast, you could go to the third lab podcast.com has links to all our, all the social media. Um, you can follow me at, at third lab on Twitter third underscore lab underscore podcast on instagram and the third lab podcast on linkedin and on facebook i'm not on tiktok i'm hella old ain't got the tiktok yet my wife gonna help me get on tiktok soon come soon come um and then mind your mentals podcast of course shouts out to tim massaquai um just a really really amazing person and licensed therapist here in philadelphia that i've had the blessing of doing um one and a half seasons so far of our podcast, but the Mind Your Mentals podcast, MYM podcast is really focused on the mental health of the African diaspora. Um, season one, we focused on the overlap of mental health, 
and athletics. And season two, we're focusing predominantly on the overlap of mental health and intersectionality, because we have so many people that don't get represented within the African-American culture, right? And so it's important that we show and talk about and highlight the experiences of, of a vast number of people, um, and then talk about the mental health piece of having to carry that burden of being the first or being the only or not being able to show up as your true authentic self because people don't value that piece of your intersection. And so find us NYM podcast on Instagram, um, Mind Your Mentals, at Mind Your Mentals on uh, Twitter and the Mind Your Mentals podcast featuring Tim and Mao on Facebook and also on LinkedIn. Again, not on TikTok just yet. Soon come, soon come. Um, and then just in general, man, you can follow me on LinkedIn at Mal, uh, I think it's Mal Davis. You'll see me with my right fist up. That's, you know how we do it. But follow me on LinkedIn. Um, just excited about the work that I'm doing with the Center for Black Educated Development. We need Black teachers. And then we'll get to the layer of how we train them and do all of the things. We'll get to that part too. But we need them first before we can train them up, right? <laughs> and so we need Black teachers campaign. Um, always, 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 man, we, we need that work to be done. Uh, I'm leading a uh, series of diverse educator interviews talking about how do we get more young people of color in the teaching and also how do we keep more of our educated experience teachers of color in the work so we're not burning them out and they're not leaving at this just ridiculous level that we're seeing right now. So if you're an educator, you want to connect and talk about your experiences, you can hit me, Mal Davis, um, Mal Davis on Twitter. Oh no, it's love for the game, Mal on Twitter. Uh, third lab podcast, third lab Mal for Instagram. Holla at me, man. I'm out here. I'm just trying to do the work of the people. All love to the proletariat. Y'all see the Black Panther Party behind me. Y'all know what it is. Um, Simone, thank you. I appreciate you. I know this episode is supposed to be half this length, but here we are. We here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's whatever. It's God's time. That's that's the time I operate. I like on. that. So I'm that's, with that's you. what that is. So no worries. Um, I do hope, I do aspire to collaborate with you and Tim yep, to absolutely. put together a men's retreat, yeah. um, you know, next year. So I definitely will remain in contact with you guys because yep. um, that's been on my heart. I had to postpone the one that I was really trying right. to do this year just for my own mental health. Right. But I don't want to let the ball drop on the men. And um, really and truly, February is the time that I'm looking around okay. midwinter break okay. um, to do something for the men, even if it's just one overnight thing and not a full-fledged retreat like I normally do. But gotcha. um, I definitely really, really want y'all. Listen, um, to come we can figure it out. We can make it happen. Because there's, there's a lot of men that uh, I think would need it and appreciate yeah. it. Um, and we got there's certain people that I know would fit the mold as far as the facilitators and um, you're definitely one of those people. So I'm just saying, you know, plug me into calendar. I don't know when the baby coming, but. Um. November 10th, you're going to be here, little Malcolm Jr., man. You said November? Not, November 10th, yeah. Oh, that's like um, right now. I thought like she had more time. Oh, wow. Allison is, is fully pregnant right now. <laughs> She's she's like eighty percent pregnant right now. It's, we wow. almost there, yo. Eighty percent. She's not one hundred percent pregnant right now. We're not no, one hundred percent. When the baby, when when the baby, true. You know what I'm saying? That's one hundred percent full. Now we we build into the hundred. We almost there. 
But yeah, I mean, nothing changes. I might bring MJ with me. That's the only thing I'm gonna show up with a little baby human. That's cool, um, but that's fine. But yeah. I didn't, you know, some people, you know, we work with different people. There's people that's serious about the business and there's yeah. people that's like, well, I'll see when the time comes. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm more of like, if there's nothing there right now, then I'm gonna add it right now kind yeah. of person. So um, that's why I said that. But I did know like, you know, babies come around and- that's a time where yeah you know i'm i'm taking the the back part of 2022 to really focus so i'll make sure my wife is healthy my son is our son is healthy you know what i mean before i'm really committing to doing too much but you know that's something that we've already been talking about i would love to participate i'll talk to tim about it as well um that's right up his alley too so like i said i might have to pull up with a baby carriage and you know uh hey. bottle feed them on occasions just to calm me down but man, i'll be there we'll be there <laughs> that's what's up all right so right now i would love um to lift you up in prayer please do before we go um thank you for, for coming through and, and sharing your story and sharing those nuggets just giving that black male perspective i keep highlighting that because it's important that yeah. we highlight it and it's known because I'm tired of black men telling me that there's no black men leading black men. <laughs> it's like there are, which is not uh, true, but right yeah. there are. So um, we we just want to acknowledge you for that and honor you um, for that and and your consistency authentically and just being just a person of good character. I just feel like it's just little things you. that we we kind of take for granted or we miss yeah. throughout life and just wanting to take a moment to honor that and, and acknowledge that and so thank you um without further ado as you already know my faith is you know my way of coping with my mental health and in in, in my diagnosis and so i love to share that those resources and that coping skill with everyone else and so at this time i'm going to lift you up in prayer cool. all right so Take your close your eyes and bow your head. Um, Father God, I just want to take a moment to just magnify your holy name, Father God. Just glorify you and just give you thanks for being a good God, like for being so intentional that you see every step that we're about to take, that we will take, that you want us to take. I thank you, God, for just knowing who to put in our paths, who to take out of our paths, Father God. I thank you for being the master creator, the potter who knows how to mold us and shape us and then break us and recreate us again, just to fit the perfect picture that you have designed for us, Father God. Father God, I just wanna thank you for the little things like breathing, like provision, like keeping a job father god like family like having a support system things that we take for granted every single day father god i just thank you for those little things because without those things father god though how could we move any further we thank you for the foundation we know that you are a firm foundation father god and we stand in you and we stand in your word father god Father, today I lift up my brother Malcolm, Father God. I just thank you for gifting us with him, Father God, gifting us another man of color, Father God, that wants to be closer to you, that's chasing after you, that is 
using his life to be an example as a husband, as an educator, as a community leader, as a son, Father God. I pray that you cover him from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, Father God. I pray that you continue to direct his steps, Father God, be the lamp onto his feet and a light onto his path, Father God. I pray that you touch and bless his podcast, Father God. I pray that his experience in his fellowship program, that if you one full with abundance, Father God, that you'll be able to take all the things you need him to take for him to move forward to the next step, just like you did the last time, Father God. Thank you for the people that you've placed in his life that have been able to pour into him to help him steer his mind and his aspirations in the direction that you want him to go to fulfill the purpose that you have set for him, Father God. Father God, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for second chances, Father God. We, we know that sometimes we don't always get it right and sometimes we may go a little faster than you want us to go. But we thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy, Father God. We thank you for forgiveness, Father God. We repent for all those moments that we may have been weak, Father God. But I thank you for giving Malcolm the strength to speak out and testify of the areas where he may not have done things, made the best decisions. But that he feels proud that he found you and he's able to move forward and do those things, Father God. I pray that you cover his marriage, Father God. I pray that this baby that he is now bringing into the world as he expands his family, Father God, that you cover it, Father God, that you touch it, Father God, that you touch their child's head, that you touch Allison's belly right now, Father God, that they have a healthy baby coming in remember, Father God, that there will be no complications in Jesus' holy and mighty name, Father God, that another miracle is born into this family that leads them into the purpose that you have for them, Father God. Father God, I just cover minds and mentals and every aspiration that Malcolm is a part of, that he, he, he touches, that he associates himself to, Father God. I pray that whatever mission that he's trying to accomplish, that you give him the strength to accomplish it, Father God, that he has the poise and the words to continue to touch people of various different communities and backgrounds, Father God, and inspire them to want to step up and be soldiers to help our young people, Father God. And we worship you, God. We submit this humble prayer in Jesus' holy name. Look, I'm covered in the white, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I appreciate you, Simone. Man. I love you to death, yo. I'm, I'm so grateful for this, this, I was gonna say friendship, but it's more like a sister brotherhood, man. We, we've been through so much. We sacrificed so much. Um, and so each other sacrificed for the same cause. And so I feel like that built really early on, a, 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 like a, a solidarity between us that has only grown over the years. Like I, I admire you so much for all the things that you've done and for also realizing that you are more than what you produce as well, right? That like you are now really tapping into what is Simone want. Um, and I'm so excited for that process for you because, you know, as somebody that's on that path with myself, it's arguably the most liberating feeling that you can have and maybe the most important question that you can ask yourself. So um, everything that you prayed on me, I pray for you constantly, man success for you um, in abundance because you deserve it and you know I, I want to see good people winning man you know yeah. we're seeing a lot of 
nefarious individuals taking you know they space taking up space of good people and so you know any chance i get to to speak on and, and uplift good people i'll take advantage so thank you um this was a dope episode appreciate you having me um and, and excited to share with my people when it drops absolutely thank you and likewise likewise um i'm gonna need some some of them relationship advice that you was Listen, you, you got my number hey, big brother, I, like, I was like oh snap i need to speak to somebody <laughs> Hey, resilient peeps. I hope you enjoyed this month's episode of the R Stories. If you are blessed, please subscribe, like, and share our podcast on our YouTube channel, The Ultimate Social Worker, as well as on Apple and Spotify podcasts. We want to hear from you, so don't forget to comment and tune in next month for a new episode.